so if you have your Bibles, why don't you open them up with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 31 this morning. Proverbs chapter 31. Um, I was unable to just continue with business as usual in Colossians this morning. On a day like Mother's Day, I am an unapologetic, sappy mama's boy in every way, shape, and form. Uh, My mom, Barbara, went home to be with Jesus seven years ago. My wife's mother, Karen, went home to be with Jesus uh, three years ago. And um, Mother's Day for us is a day not where we start to celebrate mom, (laughs) but for us and our family, it's a day where we are able to stop and remember all the value that is mom. And so we want to do that today. Uh, We want to do a little Bible study here this morning in Proverbs 31, and I want to teach from this big idea today, and it's the big idea of the gift of mom. The gift of mom. This pretty prolific and... uh, well-known standard of a woman here in Proverbs 31. is It's known as the Proverbs 31 woman, this virtuous woman. Let's read about this woman here. We'll pray, and we'll get into our Bible study. Uh, it starts in verse 10. Proverbs 31, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises when it is still yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. For her profits, from her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her clothing is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. This is kind of where the husbands start to move their shoulders a little bit, like, all right. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. So she shall shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. He says, many daughters have done well, but you exceed them all. Modern translation is, you are the mom goat. All right. (laughs) Verse 30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Let's pray one more time. Father, we are so thankful again today for mom. 
We think of moms, and we can think that way. We can say terms like goat. We think of these women as the greatest of all time. And so, God, we, we pray today, again, that um, you would, by your spirit, you would speak to all of us today as your word is open. You would also open our hearts to receive what you want to say. And may the moms here be encouraged and honored, and may you be glorified. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. The gift of mom. The gift of mom. Now, if you have ever been into a just entry-level church environment, gone to a Sunday morning or been around church, I'm sure at some point you have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. This standard of excellence and beauty and entrepreneurship and skill and love and care and godliness, um, growing up as a, as a youth pastor for some time, um, the Proverbs 31 woman was a passage I would go to often for the high school girls to say, like, this is the standard, okay? This is what it means to be the goat, okay? This is what it means to be the greatest woman of all time. This is what the standard should be. And that's often how Proverbs 31 is, is viewed. This woman, this mystery woman, so to speak, who has just some incredible qualities, right? I mean, you look at this standard, and it's like, what doesn't she do? She's got her own little business, you know, and she's probably really savvy on social media selling her fine tapestry in purple, okay? She, she brings her food from afar like the merchant ships, okay? So there's like a whole potluck thing, and she shows up, and everyone's like, <gasps> she's here like a merchant ship with all of her crock pots, you know? This incredible description of this amazing woman. She's even a hard worker. Right? I mean, even at the time of snow, there's nothing to be afraid of because she's made all the clothing for her children. That's never been to Gap, Baby Gap, none of it. She is Baby Gap. She's weaving together all of their clothing. She's, she's decisive even in business. She considers a field and buys it. Amazon.com, prime, prime account for sure, okay? Her husband safely trusts in her. She's trustworthy. She's godly. Strength and honor are her clothing. This incredible description of this amazing woman that I think can lead us to miss the point of what's going on here. Yes, a great standard. Yes, moms, I'm sure you want to pray, Jesus, make me like her. Jesus, I don't ever want to shop again. I want to make all my kids own clothing. <laughs> Jesus, make me a hard worker. God, make me like this. Make me this kind of, of mom. And let's back up for a second. What's going on here, actually? Is this some standard, Proverbs 31, that's to be waved over your heads as a mother on Mother's Day to feel inferior towards? <laughs> no, okay? So hopefully that's not what you feel right now, okay? The context actually going into Proverbs 31, if you go back to verse 1, I want you to check this out. Proverbs 31, verse 1, it says, The words of King Lemuel, the utterance, look at this, which his mother taught him. This proverb here, written by this gentleman, King Lemuel, we don't know exactly who he is, some speculation, not even worth trying to nail it down. Nobody knows for sure, but one thing we do know for sure, this guy's mother gave him some wisdom. 
and she speaks to this son of hers about this, this role in his life that she's praying and hoping for. And she's describing as a mother the great qualities of a great mother. But listen, it's all under the umbrella, all under the category of the first verse that she gets into in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth? Her worth is far above rubies. What the mother here is not saying is Solomon. Either this or nothing. If, you, if she doesn't make the clothing for the kids, out. Okay? If she doesn't have the entrepreneurial spirit, out. If she ever flips and has a bad hair day, out. Okay? If she ever doesn't wake up in the middle of the night to provide for her what, what this mother is doing for her son is lifting up the value of motherhood. She, she's teaching her son, King Lemuel... Who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. She is ascribing worth to mom. She is praising mom. She even kind of ends this thing. We read this verse in verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Mom, you're blessed. On Mother's Day, that's really what we do, right? Man, mom, love you, mom. You're blessed. Even her husband, he praises her. You're worth so much, mom. You're so valuable, mom. Who can find a mom like you? This proverb here is speaking of, again, the gift of mom. The gift of mom. The value of mom. And we recognize the value of mom, again, as a gift. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, a.k.a. God has no dark side. That's what that means. He's all light. Our Father is a Father of light, and He's a Father who gives good gifts to His children. And every good and perfect gift in your life, what you can look at, that you can look at, you can recognize and trace it back to God. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, especially mom. That's what we're doing here today. We're saying, God... Thank you for the gift of mom. Thank you, God, for gifting motherhood to us. Thank you that we have her, the value of mom. Let me give you, if I could, a little breakdown of, for me and for us today, of what we mean when we talk about the worth of mom. That's far above rubies, we could say in this context, far above Gucci, far above Louis Vuitton, far above Tiffany's, far above anything earthly and material, the worth and the value of mom is this incredible gift from God. Here's a few things. Number one, the gift of her making touch. The making touch of mom. Why is mom such a gift from God? Why is she so valuable? You know, one of the ways that we could recognize mom as a gift from God is this way that God has designed her in his image to make and to create. You even see that, right, with this Proverbs 31 woman, that she's very entrepreneurial, she's, she's crafty, she's handy, she's creating, she's making clothing. This God-given capacity by God who is a designer, creating woman in his image to design. And certainly that's mom in every way. What mom is able to make compared to what dad often tries to make, whether it's on the stove 
or an environment. Now, it's, it's more than that, though, right? I mean, you think about a, a woman, you think about a mother, her ability to make, it goes beyond stuff. God has entrusted this creation of his woman to be the conceiver, to be the carrier, and to be the bearer of God's image bearers. God has created woman and entrusted them with this incredible responsibility and opportunity to make life. And that might fall flat to you if you haven't seen it happen. I've got to see this happen three times, once very recently. I don't need pictures. It's, it's all, all of it is still up in here, okay? My eyes have been wide open for the past couple of weeks. Not just at the intensity of the moment, but like the majesty of the moment. I've said this from, uh, since my first son Judah came into this world. I was a different man after I watched my son come into this world. And I can't explain it, but something happened. Something, whether you want to call it existential, okay, or spiritual, something happens when you witness the miracle and the power and the strength of a woman bringing life into the world. It's mind-blowing. In fact, many men pass out in that moment. I didn't. I, got, I almost went for the anesthesia. Can I get some of that? Okay. You, sorry, Dad, you can't do an epidural. Okay, sorry. Um, but it's a mind, it's, it's incredible. This is how God has designed woman. Let's remember this. Human beings are, are the crown of God's creation. They're, they're his image bearers to reflect him to the world. And then God says, I want the woman to be the one that brings that life into this world. The gift of mom in what she's able, or rather, who she's able to make, the womb of mom, what a gift. What God does with mom. Um, it's more than that, though, right? There is a physical side to mom's making touch and mom's ability to make and create, but when I talk about how God has designed mom to design and to make and to create, I specifically put the word in there, touch, right? It's not just that mom makes things. There's something about how mom can make things. She's got this touch to it. She's got this feel for it. She's got this divine design to when she makes, when she creates, there's a, there's a mom touch on it. There really is. Like, I don't have to, if you come to my house, and, and me and Brittany are in the kitchen, and I make a lunch bag for Judah, and then Brittany makes a lunch bag for Judah, there's a different touch. My bag's wrinkly. It's, it's maybe got like a moldy apple in it. It's got a PB&J with the crust still on it. Okay, and maybe it has a half-drank juice box. Okay, I don't know who drank it, but I did. But, but moms, it's just, there's just something about mom's touch, man. Whether it's making a lunch bag or, or making a bed, or making a home, making an environment, there's something about mom's special touch, right? And it's stuff like this. I mentioned how the Lord brought my mom home to be with him and, uh, seven years ago. And, and sometimes it's like, when we talk about the value of mom, I'll tell you what, the value of my mom has increased since she's went home to be with the Lord. 
And it's that saying, you don't really know what you have, right, until it's gone. And now watching it in my wife and watching her touch, it just brings back memories of, of my mom's touch. And the way she was able to just fit my environment, to make my life the way only mom could. But again, beyond anything physical, that touch that mom has, probably the greatest impact, it's a mom's making touch on the direction of a life. It's the God-given capacity that God has given to mom in a unique way to steer the direction of a life. To not just make stuff, make a lunch, make a bed with a special touch, but to do and to make the primary thing that we're all in this world to make, which is to make disciples. Mom has a making touch in discipleship. Mom, I want to remind you and encourage you of that today, that God has uniquely and specially wired you to touch your child in a way that no one else can. God has put it in you by his spirit, by his design. You have a disciple-making touch for your child. This unique influence of mom. Um, I think of this verse in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. If you can't read it, I'll read it to you. Here's what it says. It says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Here in Proverbs, uh, the writer is describing the unique influence of mom on her little boy. Notice the difference. I love kind of the positive for dad and then the negative for mom. Okay? Dad's, dad's not like, oh no, you're being stupid. <laughs> He's just happy when you're not. A wise son makes a, keep it up, okay? Makes a glad father, that's my boy. And mom certainly takes pride in her son. But mom's the one. <gasps> foolish son? You're being foolish? All right? I'm not going to try to do mom impressions. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> the foolishness of a son is the grief of his mother. What a poetic way to describe these unique roles in the house. The father rejoices when the son is being wise, when the daughter is being wise. But mom specifically, she has this touch. And sons... If you've ever grieved your mom's heart before, you know what I'm talking about. Daughters, if you've ever made mom's heart hurt from your decisions, you know what I'm talking about. God has given mom this special discipleship influence over her children. I can't articulate it perfectly. I just know I've experienced it. I've experienced the influence of mom's leadership in my life. Mom's spiritual direction in such a way that what I really want to do is not just make dad proud, but I don't want to see mom grieve. I don't want to see the, the, the seeds that she's sown fall on hollow ground. I want mom to rejoice as well, right? So, so this incredible dynamic, in fact, uh, we see this actually in the book of 2 Timothy. Would you turn there in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1 for a second? 2 Timothy 1, I think, gives a great example of what this looks like, Mom. Your discipleship-making touch, your disciple-making touch. 2 Timothy 1, which is the second letter that the Apostle Paul has written to his young disciple and protege in the ministry, Timothy. This young guy was, a, was a, an apprentice to Paul, someone that 
Paul had poured into. And um, as you kind of read into the story of Paul, we don't know exactly what's going on. We know that uh, Timothy's father was a Greek, but we don't know the full story of where he was in the picture, whether he left or, or, or he passed away. Whatever the case may be, whatever had happened to Timothy's father, one thing is for sure, that the Lord provided Paul to be a spiritual dad to someone who didn't have one. And that's who Paul was to Timothy. So he, he, he comes from, we, we learn about Timothy, he comes from a background where there's not a spiritual dad in the mix. You could say it's kind of like a single mom, at least spiritually situation. There's a lot of spiritual single mom situations. And Paul writes to Timothy, and Paul is encouraging and validating the influence in the ministry of Timothy's mom in Timothy's life. That's what Paul's doing. He's pointing to the disciple-making touch of this single spiritual mom. And look what he says in verse 3 of 2 Timothy 1. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance, look at this, the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt, which first dwelt, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So we've got grandma in here today too. The faith of grandma has passed on multiple generations, and that faith that was in grandma, it's passed on to mom. And that faith that was in mom, I love the way that Paul says it to Timothy. He says, the same faith, the same exact faith, the faith that was in your mom, that faith, almost think of it like a concrete reality, the substance of things hoped for within your mother's heart, the sincere and genuine faith, this word sincere means it's, it's or genuine, there's no hypocrisy to it whatsoever, without disguise, without a mask, it's, it's so pure and true, it's imperfect, but it's pure. And that faith that was in your mom, it's been passed into your very heart. The same faith, the same genuine faith. Is that not, parents, let's talk to moms and dads for a second, is that not the greatest goal of all of our lives as parents? It's when I pass on, I want to make sure that what's passed on is more than material things. Stuff. More than, more than skills, more than smarts. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Parents, what does it profit your child to become the smartest in their class, the most athletic on the field, the most popular in school, the most well-rounded individual, yet lose their soul? It's the number one priority. You know, as the Bible describes in, in, in the Psalms, children, they're like arrows, right, in the quiver of their parents. And as parents, our job is with those arrows to shoot them at the target of Jesus. Not just the target of athletic, not just the target of spiritual, not just the target of sociable. We want to see our children grow in those areas for sure. We're, we're part of their development. There's a holistic spiritual development to them, but not without this kind of vision. This is what we want. Moms, this is what so many of you have done. And it started also 
with grandmothers in this room. And behind every Christian, there's a praying grandmother. Isn't that true? And we say that sarcastically. We see that in Scripture. The faith of grandma that held on, maybe in tougher times in this country, who knew what it was like to trust God in hardship. She knew what it was like to trust God when it was sunny and when it was rainy, okay? <laughs> Saw you guys all noticing the rain, so I had to tie it in, okay? And her faith, it's passed on to mom and it's passed on to her, her children. Um, the genuine faith that was in Timothy's mom, it was in his heart now too, because of mom's special disciple-making touch. Um, this, is my, this is my testimony. How did you come to Christ, Andrew? Was it an altar call? It wasn't a one-time gospel presentation. It was the faithfulness of my mom to love me, to lead me, to pray for me, to pray in the dark too. Not pray when the lights are kind of dim and it's like, okay, I'm going to keep praying now, but to persevere in prayer in the dark. And it's kind of um, appropriate. There's uh, one video that I have um, in my possession of my mom. Um, and it's on YouTube. It's like the one thing out there. So it's like once every, you know, when I can muster up <laughs> the courage, I'll watch it like once every couple years. But I, I watched it uh, like 10 times last night to really get all the tears out so that I could play it for you guys today. Um, and it's an interview of my mom being asked about her faith. And I just thought you should see it. It's pretty cool. Can we turn up some audio, please? your outlook on life 
really want to keep them happy with all the things that I had. I really thought that that would do it, and I couldn't understand why I wasn't happy. I wasn't, uh, my husband and I didn't feel as many things personally, just materially, and I think uh, for my children too, I was teaching them the wrong lessons. And um, today, you know, with that well that you maybe three coins in to make a wish, now I, I look for the well that's the living way. That's what I look for right now. So that's what's satisfies me in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not tell my dad I was going to be playing that video. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. So, man, if anything, if anything, when we talk about the making touch of a mom, just want to reiterate, re-encourage, remind you, Mom, you have no idea what God is doing with what you're doing. You have no idea how God is able to take your faithful seeds, these tiny little mustard seeds, and move mountains through them. You have no idea, but I hope you have an idea. I hope you're encouraged to know that you have a making touch, that God has designed you and wired you with a special influence to disciple your children in a way that dad can't, in a way that schools can't, in the way that the church can't. God has put you in their life for you. Can we just celebrate the moms in here for that? The making touch... Of mom. So in typical fashion, I just spent uh, 30 minutes on my first point. Let's spend 15 minutes on the last two here, okay? Um, it's pushing them all up a hill. You get some momentum, and now let's go down really fast, okay? Um, so the first is mom's making touch. How else can we recognize the valuable gift of mom? Well, it's not only her making touch, but isn't it mom's open arms? Why is mom such a gift from God to us? Well, not just because of her special influence that's unique to our lives, different than anyone else, but there's something about the open arms of mom. I love that word, too. I think of the word open, and we think of open, but I think of it like a business, open, right? The 24-7, 365 a year, seven days a week, open arms of mom. That, that doesn't respect son's age either, does it? Come on, you never outgrow mama's arms. You really don't. You go to college, you come back, you're tough, you got a degree, mama's arms are still mama's arms. Doesn't matter how cool and great you are, right? Mama's arms. Um, you know, Jesus alluded to this idea of mom's open arms in uh, Matthew chapter 23, and he actually uses the open arms of mom, the, op the motherly open arms and care of a mom, to describe his own heart for Jerusalem, his people that were rejecting him, and he grieved for his people. And the way that he expect, expressed his mourning and his heart for them is he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together. Listen to the words of Jesus here. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. This incredible picture that Jesus uses, he pulls from this motherly example to say, that's my heart for, for people. God's heart for people is very, did you know this? It's very motherly. I know we pray, our Father who art in heaven. And I know the scriptures have given us male pronouns to ascribe to God. The Holy Spirit is a he. God is our Father. Jesus is the Son of the Father. Don't get me wrong. I'm not denying the Trinity here. I'm not messing with the reality of God as Father. He is our Father. But the Bible also reveals God to us in the Scriptures in a lot of motherly ways. Can we remind ourselves? It wasn't just man who was made in the image of God. 
Now, in the church, we can kind of act like that today, right? Because we got a couple scriptures that talk about roles and responsibilities in the church, and we want to be biblical purists in the sense where we want to let God's word speak for itself, and we follow. And so uh, we can have a great conversation with you about this, but uh, we believe here at Solus Church that the role of an elder is reserved for a man. However, we have seen that sort of position oppress the design of God on women. I've seen this. And it's like there's male elders. Therefore, women, shh, no. No, God has created woman to reveal himself to this world. There's prophetesses, there's leaders, there's spiritual warriors for the kingdom that God has ascribed to women. In fact, Tim Keller makes the best example about God's heart for women in this way when he uh, uses the example of the first individuals to see Jesus risen from the dead. It was two women. In a culture that didn't consider the testimony of a woman to be valuable and trustworthy, Jesus says, I'm going to entrust the greatest news in the world to two women. Because, listen, it's not a matter of inferiority. Okay? Um, we should, as Christians, regardless of what it's been twisted to mean, why should we believe in equality? Why should that? Because male and female were made equally in God's image. Now, differently doesn't mean inequality. Differently, but equally. You understand that? Differently, but equally. Equally valuable. Equally driven and, and set up by God to be used for his purposes. I just gave a great example. But differently. And it's the beauty of how God reveals himself. Okay? Here's, if anything, Mother's Day is this. God, thank you that there's more than just men on this earth. If, if that's Mother's Day, let it be that. You should have seen us this morning with about seven men and three women trying to pick out what color lights to do. We had a team going, what's more motherly? And all the guys were like, I think we should do pink. And the guys no, purple. And someone's like, let's do like a mixture. Someone said, let's do like a strobe light thing. And then a couple of ladies are like, no. <laughs> right. The beauty, especially of mom, made in the image of God to reveal God to this world, and what a special way to do so, where Jesus is using, the way that she opens up her arms to her children, Jesus says, that's my heart for Israel, the open arms of mom, the open arms of mom, um, there's no place, again, like the open arms of mom, whether it's the middle of the night, when somebody is having a bad dream, or is hungry, um, or it's the middle of your school year. And you have to get on the highway and drive home because you just need to be with mom. There's nothing and no place like the arms of mom. Her open arms, here's a few ideas. First, they're a place of comfort, aren't they? There's nowhere like the arms of mom. They're a place of comfort. This is natural, too. Like, just three weeks ago when uh, Penelope was born, and she came, I got this incredible privilege where, I, I mean, I was there, front row seat, okay? Um, and this, our, our midwife actually like called out to me when the baby was not fully out yet, was still like in there, and you know, um, but it was enough in the world. And she said, okay, Andrew, reach down and pull, and I grabbed the child. I grabbed Penelope and I pulled her out. But do you know what I did the second I grabbed Penelope? What I did was I cut the umbilical cord and I walked away. No, of course I didn't do that. <laughs> the baby went straight to Brittany's arms. 
And it was there that she began to feel comfort immediately. Just this natural way that this happens, where mom's arms, it's, it's, her womb has been home, and now her arms are home. And so we see that, the comfort, you know, and, and this is more than just when they're first born. This is when they're two, three, I mean, again, it's when you're 30, 40, 50, too. But it's especially when they're four, five, you know, Judah, my son's a four-year-old, and there's no place like mom's arms, especially when he's playing with dad and gets hurt. Where does he go? Even though I'm there, I'm your parent too. When Judah gets hurt, he runs straight to mom because he knows what he's going to get from dad is, all right, bud, here's what you need to do different next time, by the way. When you're skating, you know, and you're pushing this way, you know, he, go, he goes straight to where he knows there's going to be immediate comfort in the arms of mom. And Brittany and I, we get into some quarrels about, this is my favorite thing that happens. Dad, has this ever happened to you? When if you like, accidentally bump the kid or hurt the kid, and then mom comes in and takes the kid and leaves the room with the kid, and you're just like, <laughs> standing there in your guilt, like, please don't call the police, it was an accident. <laughs> and I used to get upset at that. Like, like, I feel like a bad guy. Like, you had to take them away. <laughs> But it's just the natural comfort of mom. It's what mom does, her open arms. It's a place of comfort, but it's also, it's her open arms, they don't just comfort, they also carry. They carry. In every way, certainly when you're first born, but even more than that, right? How much has your mom carried you? The way that mom carries us through life. In fact, you know, God knew this, and he wrote this to Israel. There's a lot of examples in Isaiah where God is describing his heart for Israel as a mother's heart for her children. And this is one of my favorite. In Isaiah 46, verse 4, God says to Israel, he says, Even to your old age, I am he. And even to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I wasn't just your God when you got converted at 30. I will be your God when you're on your deathbed. Even to your old age, I will carry you. I have made you, and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Isn't that beautiful? These are motherly characteristics that God is using for his children, saying, listen, I'm the one who bore you. I'm the one who delivered you. Not in the delivery room, but through the, through the Red Sea. I'm the one who's brought you to be. I'm the one who's made you, and he promises, listen, what I make, I carry God has never dropped one thing that he's made. He is faithful to carry us. And what a great description of who mom is, the way that mom carries us, the way that mom holds us. And then mom's arms, they don't just comfort, they don't just carry, they care, they care. The way that mom cares for her children. This speaks to the nurturing nature of mom. The nurturing nature of mom with her arms, her open arms, to care. So thankful for Brittany and how she is, even right now, you know, this morning, I got up and it was Mother's Day, and I was like, Brittany, we're, you're going to church today. Three-week-old baby, it's all right. Come on, it's Mother's Day. And I was so hyped up, you know, and I wanted her to come to church because it's Mother's Day, and it's like, you know, you're the pastor's wife, it's Mother's Day, you got to be there, you know. And, but like, it's, she's like, yeah, Andrew, it's Mother's Day. Obviously, if you know Brittany, she definitely did not say that, right? But it was like, 
I got the kids, all right? <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> and so I got Evie and Judah in the car, and we said, Happy Mother's Day. And Brittany's at home right now, and she's resting on Mother's Day. And she, she has in her arms right now Penelope, and she's nurturing Penelope. And Penelope's home, which is Brittany's arms, and it's been there. Because it's in that place where mom is able to nurture. The word nurtured, it means this, to care for and to encourage the growth and development of someone or something. But in this case, of course, to care for and encourage the development of someone. That's what mom does with her open arms. They care. Uh, the apostle Paul I just got some, I'm trying to tie Bible to all this, all right? There's Bible all throughout. The, the Word of God speaks to these ideas. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul actually describes his heart as an apostle to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Just as a mom cares for you, Paul says, we care for you the same way, just like the open arms of mom. And then lastly, the gift of mom is the fact that we see her mirroring life. We see her making touch. The imprint, the design that God has put in a mom to influence a life in a unique and special way. We see her open arms. There's no place like the open arms of mom to carry, to care, and to comfort. The nature to nurture. And then we see the incredible gift of mom as we look a little closer we see a mirroring life. That's what you see ultimately with mom. When God said he made woman in his image, the idea was that when you see woman, there's a unique reflection of God. Mom uniquely reflects God to this world. And we looked at a, a plethora of examples uh, already, whether it's her nurture or her care or how she carries or how she comforts or how she influences, certainly all those different aspects reveal who God is. But, you know, I, as I was thinking, and I was praying, and I was thinking about the mothers in my life, I was thinking about Brittany, thinking about the mothers in this room, I think if there's one characteristic of God that mom mirrors to each one of us, it would be this word, sacrifice. The sacrificial heart of mom. The sacrificial heart of mom. You see this great story in the book of 1 Kings where Solomon, it's a display of his wisdom. He's dealing with these two women, two harlots who each had children, lived in the same household. We know the story, right? And two children, each of those babies, born to those two separate women, except one of those children passed away. Sleeping in the bed with mom, mom rolled on the bed, rolled on the child, and the, and the child was, was killed. This mother who experienced the loss of the life of her child, what she did in the night was she switched out her child with the living child of the other mom. So that the mother who had the living child woke up and it was a different child, but it, it had passed away. And so she went before the justice system, went before King Solomon and said, listen, that's my living child. The child that has passed away, that's her child. She has stolen my child. That's my child. Now, this next instance is often used to display the wisdom of Solomon, but it actually reveals the heart of a mom. What happens next? What does Solomon do? Let me read it to you. The king said, this one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, bring me a sword. 
So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then notice this, Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And look at this. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him neither be mine nor yours, but divide him. Great lady. Verse 27. <laughs> so the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him, because she is his mother. Solomon, how do you know? By her sacrifice. What was the wisdom, what was the sword of the word of God that came into Solomon's heart for him to know how to delineate in this situation, how to find justice? How was he able to see who the true mother of the child was? It was through her willingness to sacrifice even being the child's mother for his own well-being. It was sacrifice that was evidence to motherhood. What characteristic is there to describe mom like sacrifice? Her willingness to put others before herself. It's why we celebrate Mother's Day. Because mom, you need to be first. <laughs> we want to see you be first because of how much you put everybody else before you. Sacrifice. Um, and as I said, this is a revelation of God. Through a mother's sacrifice, she's revealing what God is like, and is this not what God is like? Just like a mother sacrifices her own privileges, her own freedoms, just like a mother sacrifices her own time, her sleep, right? Just like a mother sacrifices so much for the well-being of her children, the Bible teaches the same truth about who God is. Did you know this? That God, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God has sacrificed for your well-being. God has inconvenienced, Jesus inconvenienced himself on the cross to see you be forgiven, to see you be made righteous, to see you go to heaven. Sacrifice. This is who God is, and it's a display of his love. And as Christians, it's not just something that we respond to once and for all. It's something that Jesus has led us as a people to remember each time we get together. As much as you do this, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so that's what we're going to end with uh, this morning. We're going to end with remembering, celebrating mom by remembering the ultimate sacrifice that she reveals to us. This picture of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so as the worship team comes up, uh, what we're going to do is have a moment now where we can remember the Lord through the Lord's table. We have four stations. We have communion elements here, communion elements here on my left, and then two in the back. And so during this song, maybe take a moment to sit in the presence of God and meditate on Jesus. And then when the time is right, get up out of your seat and go ahead and find these elements and create a secret place in your heart with God right where you're seated. And remember the body of Jesus that paid your debt, that was broken for you, Remember the blood of Jesus in the Jews represented there that was spilled, that was, that was poured out for your own forgiveness and cleansing. And let's just sit for a moment in the presence of God as we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross.